go through, jump through hoops to get back in again. So fortunately, we're a little early anyway, so we'll just wait for my iPad, I guess. I am on, yeah, I don't know if I'm on loud enough or not, but, all right, we're going to get started. So, um, in our study last week, I made the argument that Solomon seemed to make a distinction between the events for which God has made an appropriate time on the earth or under heaven and those which are of no value under the sun. We walked through the first eight verses of chapter three to see how each of those events could be positive or negative, and then talked about how Solomon um, has condemned through the book so far all of the ways that men chase and strive after vain, worthless pursuits. So we didn't quite make it all the way through chapter three. Um, we actually, I kind of left verse 22 hanging, but actually, um, in God's providence, we, it was one of those things where it's like, well, that actually kind of makes a good backdrop for chapter 4, which we're going to be going through today. So let's pray, and then uh, we'll get started. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for um, this opportunity to be together. We thank you for your protection over us, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy that is, um, your mercies that are new every morning. We thank you for the opportunity to look into your word we thank you that we can um, hear from you, and we ask that you would help us to, um, in our frailty, to hear from you. We thank you that you care enough to, to talk to us, to teach us, to, to uh, lead us as we um, go through your word. So I just pray that your spirit would be the one to guide us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So again, I'm not going to read through the whole thing because that would get um, a little long and then... We'd be coming back through it anyway. So we're going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 22. Solomon says, I have seen that nothing is better than that man should be happy in his activities, for that is his lot. For who will bring him to see what will occur after him? The, uh, the New King James says nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works. Uh, question, do you believe that God wants you to be happy? Absolutely. Um, he wants us to find joy in our work, right? Of course he does because, as I mentioned before, he's not just a good father, he's the best father. And if we want our children to have good things and succeed and, and enjoy their, their work and these different things, we can certainly expect that God has those same um, desires and, and he, you know, he loves us, he wants that for us as well. Um, how do we do it? What will bring about that happiness or joy in the things that we do? Porter? Yeah. Put first things first, right? 
Any other thoughts? Yeah. Do all to the glory of God. Wearsby said this. He said, Solomon calls us to accept life, enjoy it a day at a time, and be satisfied. We must never be satisfied with ourselves, but we must be satisfied with what God has given us in this life. If we grow in character and godliness, and if we live by faith, and we will be able to say with Paul, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. That's Philippians 4.11. So going back to our verse, that word lot, there's nothing better for man than be happy in his activities, for this is his lot. Now in the Amplified, it's translated portion, and they also have in brackets their share, so your lot, your portion, your share. Again, the, in uh, New King James, says heritage. So with those words in mind, what kind of images do those bring to mind when you think of your lot, your portion, your share, your heritage? Okay. 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 Anybody else? Okay. Right. Yeah, that's kind of the word. Of, what's that? Right. Exactly. It's a gift. We we have this gift. It's it's an opportunity. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, you you don't you don't get to decide what your piece of the pie is. It may be a good one, it may be a bad one according to your estimation or somebody else's estimation, but it's God's gift. It's been given to you. And in, it's a it's a very similar concept here of God has given us the opportunity to be happy to find joy in the things that we do. Now, like any other gift, we can say, no, I don't really want that. I'm going to choose to strive. I'm going to choose to try to get more, to do more. Um, so, yeah, but, but we have the opportunity. He's given us that opportunity. That is his, that's, his, that's his desire for us. Again, if we think about our kids... We, we can give them those opportunities and those things, but they can choose whether to make good use of those or not. You can train up a child in the way he will go, and, and he should walk in those things, but he may choose not to, right? So in the, back in our verse, I believe the last sentence means that you can't see what's going to take place on earth after you've gone. And personally, I don't think we're really going to care. You know, people talk about, oh, you know, this person's looking down from heaven. I don't think so. I think when we get there, we're looking at Jesus. So um, I think we're looking at God. So if it is true, if I'm right, and, and if, if Solomon's right that we won't care about what happens, then what should we care about in the time we have on this earth? Sure. 
Right. But we are to do what? <laughs> yeah. He, he's doing the Father's will. We are to be doing His will. Yeah, it's, it's this, it's, it's wrapped up together. Yeah. Um, so, before we move on, just a quick question. Would you describe yourself as happy or joyful? Are you content with what the Lord has given you to do? Or are you striving? Are you looking for more and looking for the next thing? Porter? What's that? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. When I take my eyes off of him, it's like Peter sinking in the water, takes his eyes off. We focus on circumstances, and we go, ooh, I'm, I should be worried about these things. Yeah. I need more. I need to do this. And I, you know, um, yeah. Okay, so that's the end of chapter 3. So in chapter 4, Solomon seems to go in a very different direction. And in reading through Wearsby, he argues that when Solomon was contemplating life under the sun the second time, so he's kind of he's talked about what this looks like and now he's kind of rethinking it. He decided to, he decided to go where people were living. You know, I suppose to test his his hypothesis. So I'm going to go to these different places. So uh, Wearsby argues that he, in verses three to, 1 to 3, he went to the courtroom. And then in verses 4 to 8, he went to the marketplace. And then he went to the highway in verses 9 to 12. And finally, he looked into the palace in verses 3 to 16. I broke it down under the same, um, with the same verses. But my the way I would head them or or kind of the way I thought about them is in 1 to 3, injustice. In 4 to 8, I labeled that as foolishness. 9 to 12 as independence. And 13 to 16 as sheep. So I kind of was on a, kind of on a pattern there, and then I broke the pattern. So sorry about that. I'm not very good at patterns, I guess. I, I, I break patterns. So Injustice, foolishness, independence, and sheep. So you can see whether you agree with me or not. Um, so verse, uh, verse, no, verse 1 of chapter 4, we're going to read through verses, verse 3. Then I looked again at all the acts of oppression which were being done under the sun. And behold, I saw the tears of the oppressed, and that they had no one to comfort them. And on the side of their oppressors was power, but they had no one to, no one to comfort them. So I congratulated the dead who are already dead more than the living who are still living. But better off than both of them is the one who has never existed, who has never seen the evil activity that is done under the sun. So kind of turned the corner here. Clearly, there were some not so good things happening in Solomon's days. 
Fortunately, we don't have those kind of things going in our times. We're, we're, we're enlightened, right? So we don't have to deal with that. Yeah. Is life fair? No. Even talking about the, the lot of, you know, how you're, what piece of land you're going to get. Certainly from our perspective, life is not fair. We don't see that we get the same treatment, the same opportunities, all those kind of things. <laughs> Wickedness and oppression too often do rule, right? We see that. Should we, should we just be okay with that? Can we just shrug our shoulders and say that's just life? Because there's sin in the world and it's going to happen somewhere to someone? It's not happening to me or my family or my friends? How long can we get away with saying that? How long can we get away with just saying it, it happens in those backwards countries and, you know? There's a lot of oppression. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in our world. And it's, yes, sir. Well, that's a hard position, but I, I am going to disagree a little bit because when I read this fourth chapter, mm -hmm. uh, particularly the first four, four or five verses, okay. I don't do that, but you. <laughs> well, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. But one of the things that has become of more importance to me than it used to be, I think, is the fact that we have so such a vast group That we all what? That we all creep around on every day. Excuse me, Gloria. Uh, <laughs> we, we have no end of people that we should be praying for mm -hmm. that are in circumstances that are so frightening for them day by day by day. I'm not sure how we disagree yet, but, but okay. Um, <laughs> I, I think maybe I'm getting to the same place you're at. Uh, um, all right. Um, let me read uh, Matthew 20. You don't need to turn there, but Matthew 20, 25 to 28. But Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. 
and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, it's easy, probably notice this, it's easy to dismiss the despised of our world. When you see someone who is being treated poorly, it's easier to dismiss them oftentimes or to just kind of pass over. If you see someone who is not being treated like they're worth anything, it's easy to just kind of also not treat them like they're worth anything until we remember they were made in the image of God. Um, so we see oppression in our world. It's there. It's undeniable. Do, do you agree with Solomon that those who had never existed would be better off than being oppressed? Right. Yeah. There's also this kind of, as I started thinking about it, there's this logical fallacy almost in it. What can it even mean? There's a contradiction in saying someone or something never existed. How do you name something that is never, never was, you know? Um, so there's a little bit of a logical fallacy there. But would it be better to never have existed rather than to have been born and have the opportunity to experience God's grace. I think it would be better. Yeah, there is, there are tragic things happening in this world. Horrible atrocities, things that should not be. But why are they there? Because of the same reason that Jesus needed to come and die and be raised again. It's because of our sin problem. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't read it that way. It could be. It's, I mean, the way Solomon writes is a little tough to follow sometimes, for sure. He kind of jumps around. Um, I mean, it is, it, let's ask the question, should we pity the oppressor? Yes, no, yeah. Right. Nobody likes the bully. Yeah. Uh, up to a point. You know, they, it's not a true, it, it's as long as you're strong, you know, if you show weakness, then you're probably not, you know, continue to be liked or whatever. I think it's interesting that Paul, when he was putting his prayers together, he's saying you can stay single, stay single. Mm-hmm. 
maybe more problems in terms of flexibility with the cloud services. And the two sites which we have a lot these days, young couples are like, uh, should I use private servers or just use this Hebrew place? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, God's still faithful. And, and and we need to be telling young couples that too. You know, in the midst of these, yes, the world is a wicked, evil place. It always has been. Um, and yeah, you, we may be seeing more of it than we've seen in the past. Maybe our eyes are open more. Maybe it's been hiding in the shadows more, and now it's out in the open more. Um, but God is still faithful. Right. You didn't know what was going on because right. you're on the other side of the world. And right. You had a way to communicate. Yeah. But now it happens and we see it immediately. And we have a 24-hour news cycle that right. bounces things off of satellites and they're here right now. And so it seems worse yeah. than what it was. Right. In, you know. Because our awareness is greater. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so how do you deal with the injustice around you? This is getting back to what uh, was being said. Do you ignore it? Do you assume someone else will deal with it? Do you tell yourself, God will judge all these things in the end so I don't need to worry about it? It's not possible for us to care about every injustice in the world. It would overwhelm us, right? That's just not, it's not possible. But... Are we just ignoring it? Is there, are we doing anything? Are we praying for anybody? Because again, we can't pray for everybody and we could, you know, throw out a blanket prayer, Lord, you know, don't let anything bad happen today. <laughs> um, but are we praying? Are we, in, are we involved in someone's life? And this is convicting to me. Um, what, what am I doing? How? I think Right. Yeah. 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 Going off of that, prayer shouldn't be legalistic. We can get overwhelmed with right forcing kind of His will. Um, it, it requires a ton of faith amidst all the wickedness that there are people out there praying for each and every one of you. Right. We just have to have faith that it is in the Lord. Well, and I think I think your point, it's one of the reasons that the, you know, the 24-hour news cycle doesn't do us a lot of good. Yes, it's good to be aware of what things are going on in the world, but we can become overwhelmed, and, and it's like, okay, what, what person is the Lord bringing into your life, or what situation is he bringing into your attention that, you know, that I can be praying for? And remembering that he is good, and he is his, you know, he's aware of what's going on, and, and yes, in the end, it will all be dealt with, but in the meantime, he does want me to be involved. He wants me to be involved in other people's lives through prayer, through whatever. We had um, yesterday, the security team had a meeting and they asked elders and deacons to be here. So um, some of us were here and there were two 
of the county, you know, sheriff's deputies here talking. And, you know, just as they talk, you realize that's a, that's a weight. You know, that's, and to be the husband or a wife of someone who's going out, you know, that's, that's the same thing with military. So, yeah, those are, who, who do I know who's in one of those positions? And if you don't know somebody, just, you know, nothing wrong with saying, I'm, somebody I'm going to add to my prayer list, and I'm going to go to the police station and just say, give me the name of somebody. You know, go to the sheriff's department. Give me the name of somebody. Let me, let me pray for this one person, you know. Um, so part of it's just kind of being aware and going, okay, what, what might the Lord have me to be praying for? Who, you know, and asking him, Lord, who do you have me to be praying for? So, um, okay, uh, let's move on, and we'll see if we get through. Um, so verses 4 through 8. I have seen that every labor and every skill which is done is the re- result of rivalry between a man and his neighbor. This too is vanity and striving after wind. The fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. One hand full of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after wind. Then I looked again at vanity under the sun. There was a certain man without a dependent, having neither a son nor a brother, yet there was no end to all his labor. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked, And for whom am I laboring and depriving myself of pleasure? This too is vanity, and it is a grievous task. So, first of all, back in verse 4, how do you feel about the, the statement there um, that every labor and every skill which is done is a result of rivalry between a man and his neighbor? We say that's true or false. Okay. Is it too broad? Okay. Um, is there any benefit in rivalry? It can be. Yeah. Um, is there a difference between rivalry and competition? Here's a question that my dad used to always ask when we'd be playing card games or something. Would Jesus play a game? Would Jesus sit down here with us and play a card game and when he won, he'd go, yeah! You know. <laughs> it's just an interesting question. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, and and it's interesting because some advances and things have come from one person saying, "Oh, I can do better than that." You know, there, there's some good things that have come out of it. I think we can argue that. <laughs> we could argue against it too. <laughs> um, how would you? How would we perceive a man like this? He's laboring with skill. He's, you know, he's accomplishing things. How would we describe him? How would you describe this guy? Yeah, well, I mean, if, if you were talking about here's this person you know who he's laboring, he's, he's you know, doing things, he's accomplishing things. Um, yeah, he's successful, industrious, Honorable, gifted, hardworking. Obedient. What's that? Obedient. Obedient, possibly to to what? To who? Maybe. 
Right. Right. And he's, he's all about just getting ahead of the next guy, right? I mean, that, that's the picture that, that Solomon's painting, I think. So he's doing, he's, he's accomplishing good things. He would say he's self-motivated, he's gifted, he's all these things. Um, you know, and then, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think you've moved on to, but, um, you know, I'm just, if it's, if it's true, I've seen that every labor and every skill which is done is a result of rivalry between a man and his neighbor. That This guy, again, I think this is, we're, we're seeing a person who is working, 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 and, and I think this is a person we would say, yeah, I want him on my team if we're trying to accomplish something. Right. Becomes his own oppressor. Yeah. So what you're saying is I will do today what others want so that I can do tomorrow what others want. And this is what gets in front of one like excellent um, violinist that could practice three hours a day right. for years right. to do what he needs to do. Right. So it's motivating. Maybe it's competition. Maybe it's gluttonous. Yeah. Right, right. So, so then what I think what Solomon does is then he contrasts, because then he says, he talks about the fool. Um, he says, the fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Um, so, this is the guy who won't work, right? What would we call him? Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's not entirely true because there's a lot of them that work really hard to do, you know, things that <laughs> I, I could have known from you that's what I'd get. But we, you know, lazy, good for nothing, part of the problem, you know, any number of things. Um, so I think in verse 6, Solomon is finding the balance between the two. So you're talking about one handful of rest. So what does that imply about the other hand? Yeah, it's working, doing something, right? One hand of rest, one hand of labor is better than two hands full of work or rest. It's balance, right? So he's talking about finding that balance, I think. Um, and when I was looking at verses 7 through 8, I happened to, I don't know if you can, if anybody else comes to mind, someone who's working and working and working and working, and when they get to the end of their life, well, I've got all, I've amassed, I've amassed all this stuff, I've amassed wealth, I've done all these things, and, you know, for what? Anybody come to mind with something like that? I know I heard, yeah, Tom. Mm-hmm. Well, and, 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 uh, 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm keeping my priorities straight. Yes, I have to work. I need to work. And I can find joy in my work. But if I work all the time, the joy is gone, right? I'm, I become obsessed with work, and that's not a good priority, and that's what he's trying to tell us is have that balance. When I was thinking of verses 7 and 8, I heard somebody, um, one of the podcasts I listened to, I think, mentioned Howard Hughes. And so I, I did a quick search on him because I was like, I don't think he ever had any kids. Never had any kids. Amassed a lot of wealth. Had a couple of different wives that he divorced. Um, dated a whole lot of you know, attractive women and all that kind of stuff. Got to the end of his life. Died pretty much alone in bad shape. Um, you know, do you think if he could go back and do it over again, he might change some things? I think so. Hope so. You know, certainly once he found what his end was. So how do you keep the balance between work and rest? And what are you working, laboring, and striving for? Those are just rhetorical questions. You can think about those. Let's move on. I'm going to see if we can get through everything here today. Uh, verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. So to me, this seems pretty straightforward. Um, do we have any independent souls in the room who'd rather do things alone than... I, I tend to be one of those people. I tend to be one of those that's like, you know, that's all right, I got this, I can do, you know, and, and forget the benefit of including someone else in it. Um, like, I like, to, I like to bake, I like to do some things in the kitchen and, you know, Get not to, you know, Joel, the youngest, is now nine, so it's not quite so bad, but when they were younger, it's like, I want to help. Yeah, I'm not sure I want you to help, you know. Um, and so I just, you know, sometimes it's just easier to do it myself, and it's hard to remember it's not about doing it all myself. That's not the point of life. Um, now, I, I did think of one situation where this is, is not necessarily true, when you have boys doing something. <laughs> have you ever heard that statement? One boy is a boy, two boys is half a boy, three boys is no boy. <laughs> I've discovered that. Unless dad is there, if dad's there, it changes. But, but if it's, you know, the other day, Sam and Ollie were doing something, and it's like they were screwing around at least half the time, you know. So it, it does, it's not, you know, can't say it's all across the board. But God did not create, create us for independence. He created us for relationship. He knew we would need each other. He knew this. Um, yes? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, just recently, I've had Sam start going with me 
and just kind of shadowing me doing stuff because um, I don't necessarily have a whole lot for him to do right now necessarily, but it's like, you know, and for me, it's it, it that I'm like, then I have to try to tell you what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. I don't know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it half the time. So, you know, I mean, it's like, I don't know, what, what am I supposed to tell you? Um, so I think that's part of it. It's just insecurity on my part, you know. Um, the Lord is teaching me plenty. I know that. <laughs> so, no, it, it's been it's actually been really nice having him along. So, um, so do you struggle with letting others be part of what you're doing? If so, you should ask yourself why, and ask the Lord if your reasons are valid. They may be valid, but chances are they they may not be. Anyway. Uh, yes. Yeah. Sometimes it is appropriate to do something by yourself, and you know, having more. Help isn't help, maybe, but we really have to weigh our motivations because oftentimes my motivation in that is, well, you know, it'd be just be better to get this done. And it's like, well, it maybe doesn't need to be done as quickly and as badly as I think it does as much as the relationship needs to be built up. So. Right. All right, I'm going to try to get us through this last part. Um, a poor yet wise lad is better than an old and foolish king who no longer knows how to receive instruction. For he has come out of prison to become king, even though he was born poor in his kingdom. I have seen all the living under the sun throng to the side of the second lad who replaces him. There is no end of all the people to all who were before him, before them, and even the ones who will come later will not be happy with him, for this too is vanity and striving after wind." So I believe this is a story to demonstrate the fickleness of mankind. That's why I use the word sheep. We, we are sheep, and we will follow almost anyone any, or anything at least for a while until we perceive that the next best thing has come along. So I think this is a story from, as I started, <laughs> it's an interesting one to try to follow, but it seems like it's a story of an old foolish king who gets replaced by a poor young man who was in prison. Then everyone flocks to the next young man who takes his place, but ultimately people don't, don't like him either. So it's this never-ending, um, it's vanity, it's wind-chasing, and, and that's what Solomon just keeps saying. You know, you just see this, it's this stupid cycle that just keeps happening over and over and over, and it's just frustrating. Yeah, Porter? What's that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we see it in our political system. The older you get, the more you think this just, you know. And, of course, as, as, the, as the parties get further and further apart, you get this one in, you get this one in, it's like we're just like, blah, 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 you know, flip-flopping everywhere. So who is the story really about? I think it's ultimately more about the subjects of the king, of the kings than the kings. Um, I think Solomon is trying to tell us people are fickle. People are sheep. People, it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite lines is uh, from the movie Men in Black. And the young guy, Jay, asks uh, Kay, the older guy, why the big secret? They're talking about why can't you just tell people that there's aliens living in the world? Why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. And Kay says, a person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. 
So this guy who's been a cop, you know, he's like, there's a difference between I can have a reasonable conversation with pretty much any one person, most people, there's a few that can't, but, but when you get people together, think about the, January, the thing that happened on January 6th. Do you think that everybody that ended up in the Capitol building went there thinking, I'm going to get inside the Capitol building? No. The vast majority, I think, there were probably a few instigators that were trying to create issues, and the rest of them were... Yeah, the rest of them got caught up in this emotion and in this crowd thing that happened. And they, they find themselves in this, how did I end up here, you know? So I think um, the point seems to be that while a person may be rational and reasonable, a crowd of people, by the sheer weight of the numbers, become very unruly, unreasonable, and unintelligent, and more so as the numbers increase. Um, do you really think that everybody who's calling for Jesus' crucifixion woke up that morning thinking, I'd really rather have them release Barabbas, this insurrectionist, than the guy who's been going around healing people? I think they worked up the crowd, right? Um, so just beware of being pulled into and pulled along by the crowd. What's the best way to keep from, from that, that from happening? Don't be in the crowd. I think that I remember when I was uh, working in a bike shop in Grand Junction, uh, Colorado, and the, the bosses, the, there was a couple that owned the place, and they would do some stupid stuff, maybe. And so the employees, we'd sit around and talk about how stupid this stuff they were. And I remember Heather going, you guys need to, she was like, you got to stop this. But, but it's that whole gossip thing where it's like, you know, it kind of gets started and it kind of feels good and I'm going to keep going and, you know, I'm going back and forth and all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, would I say this if they were sitting here? No, you know, but it's that crowd thing. Um, but I think it, I think this does get us back to where we started. Find joy in your work. Don't be a busybody. Be content with the work and the situation God has put you in and be patient. If he has a next thing for you, like Gwen talked about last week, he will reveal it at the right time. Um, and then if you're in leadership, what's the best way to not be jerked around by the crowd? Pray. <laughs> we could talk about that one probably for a while. Here's my conclusion. God has given you work to do in the time he has given you to do it. You can find joy, contentment, happiness in it if you keep your work and rest in balance and keep your eyes on him. But beware, your enemy fights against you, and he will use other people, often even well-meaning people, to get you off track. All right. We are out of time. I made us go over. All right. Jay, will you pray for us?